0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house. Thank you for the opportunity to be together. Thank you for another week to serve you. Lord, thank you that you give us a warm place, a warm place to come and to worship you, to sing your praises, to hear your voice, to listen to your words given for our benefit. Thank you for the opportunities you put in front of us. Lord, may we not be short sighted or take it lightly. May we come looking for you to work in our lives, looking for you to make changes in the areas that we need to change, that, Lord, we would be better followers of you, that we would lead those whom we have the opportunity to lead in a healthy Christian way. Lord, may we take our lives and may they reflect the work you've done in us, And Lord, may we change those things in our life that need changed, that need adjusted, that need moved. That we would walk away from our old lives. As Scripture says, old wives' tales or old traditions. May we walk away from the things that we do just because we do them. And may we focus more on the things that you would have us to focus on. Thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture this week is uh, chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. If you haven't uh, been following, I want to encourage you. uh, Next week will be chapter 5, and we'll finish up in chapter 6 in two weeks. I want to encourage you that uh, if you really want to grow and change and make some things uh, in your life different, I encourage you to start reading uh, chapter 5 of 1 Timothy on Monday. And I want to encourage you to read through that and to ask and seek God and Ask him what he has for you in that chapter. And I will tell you that coming to church on Sunday after you have read the scripture for a week really does give you a better understanding of what God has for you. We're going to start in verse six. Not because the first five weren't important, but I want to really focus on the first six. In, in verse 1 through 5, Paul is telling Timothy, be careful. Be careful of those who just make up rules and um, have these old wives' tales and uh, just do things out of tradition. He calls them hypocritical liars, deceiving spirits. He says, be careful of those who have abandoned the faith. Remember, we're talking about leadership. Leadership. And we quickly can see where leadership can go off the rails. Even in a church. Verse 6, he says, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with these godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity until I come. Devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Let me read that again in case you might have missed that. Do not neglect your gift which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them, persevere in them, because if you do, they will save both yourself and your hearers. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. For the reminder, thank you for that song. Lord, I pray that would be our prayer, to be set apart, sanctified, to be holy in your eyes. As we look at your word this morning, may that be our focus, that we wouldn't take it defensively, but rather, Lord, accept those areas in our life that need to change. And make the changes that you have called us to make. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In your name, we pray. Amen. Maybe seated, and if you're a kid, you can run. I don't care; they're not my kids. What do I care? That's good leadership, right? Hey, uh, Brentley wasn't joking when he said that these are some pretty cool-looking Connect cards. But I want to encourage you uh, on the other side to, to look at... Uh, w- there's nice little check boxes. And some of you check boxes. Uh, some of you don't check anything, I know, because I don't get uh, that card, or you don't write anything, and I know that too. Some of you check all the boxes because that's easier. Some of you just run a line through them all. That's, I get it. Um, you know ones I appreciate the most where there's only like one check? Because then I know you actually read at least one of those. And you had to make a legitimate decision about which one you were going to check. And so I want to challenge you. They're not on there for me. Um, They're not on there to make me feel better. But I want you to... I'm going to read the first one because um, it fits today. It says, if I'm honest, I fudge the truth sometimes. And, you know, the only person in this room who could say, I've never told a lie, would be a liar, right? (laughs) Just saying. These are not for me, these are for you. These are for you to focus um, and to think about uh, what's being said in the scripture, what's in the passage that we're looking at today. And so I just want to encourage you, um, not because I feel better if I get more of these or less of these, that's not what it's about, but really to think about What's being said in the sermon, and to think, well, if point does point one connect with point one in the sermon? Yeah, it does. It's important. I want to start uh, somewhere. I want to read you a quote from that countdown this morning. The last line that young man says it says there is a difference between being the best in the world and being the best for the world. Let me read that again for you. There's a difference between being the best in the world and being the best for the world. That young man understood that being the best drummer in the world wasn't the most important thing in his life. He understood that Mr. Jensen when he was just a young boy, made a difference in his life. Mr. Jensen was a leader who recognized in Clint's life the fact that he had a gift. Healthy leadership recognizes the difference. There are lots of talented best people in the world The interesting part is not all of those who are best in the world are best for the world. I got some encouragement. This is really cool, and she's not here to defend herself, so that's even better. There's a young lady who sits behind me, and she sings like an angel. (laughs) And when we were singing Hallelujah this morning, it was powerful. Powerful because she has a gift and I can't wait to find her after church, and I'm going to encourage her in that way. Look for those opportunities to encourage our young people, to show them their gifts. The Scripture today talks about that. Today we're in chapter 4, so we're halfway. We're working our way. We're over halfway or into the second half of uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. Remember, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy to help him uh, sort out what leadership looks like in a church, in a new church setting uh, of a young man who is responsible to keep them in order, uh, to do what's right in God's eyes and to help lead them. Now, I usually find the most uh, appropriate and relevant and brand new uh, countdowns and or illustrations, and I just want you to know that I always work really hard to find things that came out like last week, right? Um, except my wife makes me watch the Little House on the Prairie. I guess she figures I don't want it. She doesn't want me to be. It is a good show, but it's 50 years old, Dave. <laughs> and so, just so you know that I watch it, I watch it with my wife because that's what we do. The dogs like it too. And this this was uh, Mrs. Wilder was leaving episode about two weeks ago. And so if you don't know the episode, I'll give you a little bit of what's going on. Mrs. Wilder, that's Laura, right, as an adult, is teaching, and the kids are rotten, and they're awful, and they're misbehaving, and they won't listen, and they're just being bad. And I can relate to those kids. And Mrs. Olson decides that what will help? Well, maybe this is just my rendition. It may not be the truth. So, just so if you want to watch it, you can watch it on your own. But anyway, long story short, Mrs. Olson decides that art and French, teaching them some French and some art will will help to um, make them better students, and they will listen. and And so, in the process, pretty much kicks Mrs. Wilder out of the out of the school, and so she quits. And Mrs. Olson decides she's going to teach those kids, but she's not near the leader. Uh, In the classroom, in the classroom, uh, I know what, you know what happens, right? It disintegrates. To the point where those kids actually realize that they don't want Mrs. Olson anymore. Even though they don't love the discipline, they don't love the leadership, they don't love um, how structured school is with Mrs. Wilder, they realize this. There's good leadership in that. And there's discipline to be learned and they understand that that's where they learn the most. And so they, you know, the story ends, the, the episode ends, where they go and all the kids go to, to Laura's house and they're like, you gotta come back. And she's like, I'm never coming back. And no, you have to come back. We need you to lead us. And I couldn't help but think about how the church works in a similar way. right? When I took this position, I honestly believed that my job was for every one of you to like me. (laughs) Silly Silly me, exactly, Ken. If only you would have been there to tell me that 10 years ago. I didn't catch on. I'm a slow learner. I honestly believed that I needed everyone to like me or to love me. And if I didn't have that, then I was somehow failing in my job. And it's taken me 11 years and a lot of, like, Ups and downs, the roller coasters, trying to understand how that works. Uh, lots of other people in leadership, uh, pastoral leadership and otherwise, to realize um, that really I, there's a reason God calls us shepherds and you all sheep, right? There's a reason there's a crook on that thing, there's a reason there's a straight edge. And sometimes we need prodded and pushed and moved, right? Because if it was all happy, fun, and easy, we wouldn't really grow or grow in the right direction. And it works the same for me, right? I don't consider myself above any of that. Um, I appreciate the deacon and deaconesses and the boards, uh, the trustees. I appreciate all of those positions because they bring that expertise in as well. Because I would be lying if I said, well, I have it all figured out and no one else knows anything else. Right? That doesn't work very well and doesn't last very long either. And it's not good leadership. And then at the end of the day, we all have to go to where? We all go to go to to God and ask for His leadership, His purpose in our life. And, And it's taken me some time to understand that. That our purpose is, not, is to please God, not people. It's not a club. It's not about making uh, the best meal the cheapest way. It's not, about, uh, it's not a VFW. It's not a, it's not a place where we're going to um, enjoy uh, everything we ever do. And sometimes, honesty can be difficult. But good leadership is what we need. I've been thinking. I don't know who created this, and if you've been a part of VBS, and you, you have lived anywhere near these two rows in VBS, you know some genius, and it might have been, was it you, Sally? Okay, was it before you, Sally? Some genius takes little kids and, and has a rope, and little kids hold that rope, and they go from here to their rooms and back. I've been thinking, if we get a rope for every Sunday school teacher at, at the back of the room, we could probably just, everybody can grab a rope, Whatever that rope goes is where you're going to Sunday school, Right? Some genius, some good leader thought of this. Um, now we don't tie it around their neck or anything, and they hold on. It's impressive. I, if you haven't seen it, you need to be sit right there on VBS week, right? Because you will watch some, what, fifteen or twenty kids in a row hold a, who hold a rope, and somehow they get from here to there and back in one piece, and no, it's not tied to them. <laughs> That's great leadership, is it not? I laugh because I think I would probably get to Sunday school faster if someone had a rope. And I had to hold on to the rope to get there. It wouldn't be me leading it though, right? I'd probably be the one on the back end. Pull. To to the no, <laughs> Leadership is important. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy in this passage. Leadership is important. Healthy leadership is really important. Healthy leadership is honesty. It's being honest with ourselves. It's being honest with others. It's saying the hard things when they need to be said. It's nudging people in a different direction. It's challenging things that don't line up with God's Word. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Get rid of the old wives' tale. Get rid of those traditions that have no bearing No direction, have no way, shape, or form point us towards God. Why? Because if you instruct them in the right way, you will be a good leader of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of the faith and the good doctrine which you have followed. Being a good leader means that sometimes we have to be honest when it's hard to be honest. We have to say things in a meeting that are hard to say. I appreciate people who come to a meeting are willing to share in a healthy way a difference of opinion. If you were here Wednesday night, we had a business meeting, and there were some things on that business meeting. I thought they were great things, but I think I got asked three or four times, what did you think about the business meeting? Like, it was almost like it was a negative. And I said, it was a great business meeting. There were issues. That's life. There were things we didn't agree upon. That's life. There were things we were going to, are going to look deeper into. Why? Because that's life. And that's okay. It's okay to disagree. When it turns over that table and we no longer are able to be uh, appropriate and responsible is when we have a problem, right? We can honestly disagree. We disagree. We've come to a world where it's it's not okay to disagree anymore. So much so that we sometimes aren't even honest with ourselves. That's why uh, Connect Card, right? If I'm honest, um, I'm not always honest with myself. I'm not always honest about who I am or what I look like or who I am uh, most... uh, Concerned about. If I'm honest, it's going to be hard to lead if I don't lead from a perspective of a leader and I get, allow my own personal opinions to get in there. If I have a problem with someone's personality and I allow that to get in to my leadership, it's already ruined. If I can't step outside of me and become a leader of people, I'm not being honest with myself. I'm also not being a very good leader, right? Those are where we turn into tyrants or we become very selfish or self-centered. And Paul is telling Timothy, listen. Stick to the important things. Go to Scripture. Look at the Bible and take what you have and stick to that. And don't allow the other things to crawl in there. Don't allow them to take over your opinions. i want to take you to a scripture. I don't know where I put it. I huh. thought I lost my Bible. I, didn't. I probably should have a Bible if I'm going to talk about the Bible, right? There's a scripture in Hebrews 4.12, and I love this scripture. It says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates and divides soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the heart and attitude of the heart. Thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This, this digs deep. I, I, meant, I once met a guy who was doing some ministry. And he said, yeah, I'm doing some ministry, but I, you know, I really don't even need to crack the Bible because I really know what I want to say. And so he was trying to do a ministry with what was in his mind. From months and months and months ago. And I asked myself, and I didn't challenge him at that moment, but I asked myself this question If you're just going off of your memory and you're not digging in and letting God work in your life in a fresh, new way every day, are you really saying that God's word is living and active? Are you really saying that it penetrates and divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow? Think about a knife. Think about this Bible as a knife. Do you want a flesh wound, a scratch, or do you want it to go deep? See, the problem with going deep is that we have to be honest with ourselves when we read a scripture. We have to be honest that, ah, that one hurts. That's not where I want to go. That's not what I want to change. Those are hard. See, it's easier to just read a scripture that I like, right? It's harder to read a scripture like, do not be anxious about anything. Man. God's word says that that's that's a possibility. That I can be anxious about nothing. There's a lot of hope, but I'm not there. Yeah, right. exactly right, because I'm not, I, I, God's word says that that's cap, I'm, I'm capable of having no anxiety in my life. I'm capable of walking through this life without anxiety. And I have to ask myself, am I walking through this life without anxiety? Now, if I never read it, it's really easy. I'm just like, eh, just ignore that verse and take that one out. Philippians 4, 6, by the way. There's an answer to, five, uh, if you read 4, 7, and 8, you'll like that whole. Um, that whole passage is an awesome passage. Uh, and if you go back to cha- to verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I think there's a piece of that anxiety uh, tied to that uh, ability to rejoice or find joy in this world, just saying. But I, I challenge you to take just that one verse. And that verse has been around for a long, 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 long time in my life. Be anxious for nothing. Again, I'm willing to bet there aren't any, there isn't a person in this room who hasn't been anxious. Probably there hasn't been a person who hasn't been in this room, hasn't been anxious this week or this day or maybe even getting into the parking lot this morning. I have a choice do I just not read that? Do I skip the verses I don't want to deal with in my own life? Do I pass? on the scriptures that don't line up with where I'm feeling? Or do I let them marinate long enough to make the changes that God wants me to make in my life? Paul's telling Timothy, don't get tangled up in the things that don't matter. Go to where the things do matter. Allow those words to cut deep. Allow those to change your attitude. Side note, well, side note slash illustration. This Wednesday, we're going to finish up the women in ministry uh, discussion that we started last two weeks ago on Wednesday night. We had 17 people. It was a great opportunity. I want to encourage you that if you don't come to a midweek uh, opportunity service, uh, 7 o'clock we start uh, in the great room. And, I'm, my hope and my hope and prayer this week is that I have to open up back into the third, to the third w- part of the great room. Uh, we were close that Wednesday. But I, I messed with the group that came and I said to them, and we went around the room and I forced each person to, to make a statement. I already know what I believe about women in ministry or I'm not 100% sure uh, what I believe about women in ministry. The whole thought process was this. I've either already made up my mind and I'm never going to change it, or I'm willing to let God work in my life. And if maybe I leave this room tonight with a little different perspective than I had when I, than when I came. Now that wasn't 100 percent fair. The whole idea was this though. Am I willing and open to allow God to work in my life today? I don't care what I've believed for the last 60 years. Am I willing to take a chance? To let God speak into my life in maybe a little different way today. That was the whole plan. That was the whole idea, right? Because we get to to some kind of topic and we know we know what we know. That's the best part about kids and teenagers, right? Kids and teenagers are awesome for one reason. They're malleable. They're still willing to take a chance. They're still willing to believe that they don't know everything there is to know in the world and... They can learn something new. There's something for us as adults to take from them. So anyway, side note, if you want want to come have a good time, uh, bring your Bible. That's all you'll need. Bring your Bible and a mind that wants to to think about the things of God. It is a great group, a great uh, group of people. If you have questions, bring them. Healthy leadership is also God-centered. It's also centered on God. He says, listen, it's not all bad that you're running. Side note, I, I, Julie was running down the, the road last week, yesterday. Julie, my neighbor Julie of the Schuster type. It was like five degrees. I had this thought. I thought I could get my lawn chair, sit out there and cheer her on. And I thought maybe I, I got some hot chocolate. Maybe I'll take that. But maybe I'll just go out and mock her for being out there in the middle of stinking freezing weather. What are you thinking? I know what she's thinking. She's already told me. She said that's her, that's her peace. <laughs> that's where she finds her, her sanity, she tells me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, ain't nothing sane about that, girl. <laughs> it's cold out there. Were you out, if you were out yesterday, it was cold. And she just chugs along. I see her go down and come back. My dogs like watching her too. They they just say, hey, somebody's outside. There's nothing wrong with training or being healthy or working in that direction. There's nothing wrong with it. But Paul says to Timothy, understand that that's only part of what life is about. There's a bigger part. And that bigger part is about spiritual wholeness about spiritual health. And I wonder if in this world we have gotten away from understanding that spiritual health is more important than physical health. If our spiritual health isn't more important than our physical health. That's what he says. He says, listen, bodily training has some value. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with Julie uh, running up and down the road. That's a good thing. But what's even more important is godliness for the life to come. And there's a scripture that tells us our body is a temple and we're to take care of it. We're not to misuse it. We're not to uh, mistreat it. We have a responsibility. God has given it to us. But our focus needs to be on God. Our focus needs to be pointed towards God. If we're going to be a leader of people, our focus as an example needs to be pointed towards God. And I'll use the example I've used a hundred times, but I think it's important because it really does put into perspective. Where are you putting your time? Where is your time and energy? I'm not saying, and I'm not talking about doing ministries here at the church. Hear me out. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about doing ministries at the church. Because to me, that's an outpouring of what's already in us. What I'm saying is that our lives need to be God centered. Our personal lives need to be God-centered. Are we spending any time in Scripture? Are we spending any time in prayer? Are we spending any time doing the things that help us grow closer to God? Hint, hint, Philippians chapter 4. Read it. 6, 7, and 8. If you don't want to be anxious, Paul's telling them, here's how you don't be anxious. See, lots of times I hear, I'm just not getting there. I'm not able to get there. I'm not able to do... And I, and I ask a simple question. Well, are you spending any time in God's Word? Are you spending any time with God's people? Are you spending any time trying to grow in your faith? And some of that growth is an outpouring of ministry, doing other things, teaching uh, the nursery or or teenagers or come into a Wednesday night and allow an iron to sharp iron. But I ask myself this. If I want to be a better archer, what do I have to do? I've got to shoot my bow more than once a year, right? I can have the best equipment, and I do. I have some good stuff. <laughs> I can have the best bow, the brand new bow, Brand new arrows. If I never take them out and practice, what's going to happen? If I want to be a good archer, don't come in my basement because I shoot in the winter. I tell my wife, don't come down the steps. If I want to be a good archer, I have to shoot and practice. And learn the form, because I'll tell you right now, when you're getting prepared to shoot at something, the last thing in your mind is, "Okay, I need to pull it back." Oh, wait, I need to put it next to my nose. Oh, wait, I need to look through the peep. Oh, wait, no, it's like Hoo-ah! I don't even know what happened. Right? All of a sudden, there was a deer, and I'm, the arrow's gone. I think I—I I don't know if I hit it. You know, same with. Uh, the flintlock or the or rifle or anything else or basketball, right? Any of the things we do in life, we have to practice. They, if you want to play a video game and be any good at it, I am no good at it. I cannot play video games. I am awful. Like solitaire is the, is the biggest, best thing for me. Why? Because they take time and energy. And I don't have time and energy for that. That's right. I'm busy shooting my bow. Exactly. Someone has to take care of the deer. <laughs> and it might as well be me. Side note, my family has this, uh, this joke that if you get seven, you're a legend because I have an uncle who's in his 70s, who's 70s who's just who shot seven deer in one year, and so we, all, we changed his name from John to the legend. <laughs> we bought him a coffee cup too. <laughs> that, that proved that he was a legend. Finally, healthy leadership. Has direction. It says, do not neglect your gifts, which was given you through a prophetic message when you were when the body of elders lay their hands on you. I'm gonna ask you a question that I think should challenge you. And if it doesn't, I'm concerned. Do you know your gifts? Because part of understanding who we are as believers in Christ is understanding that God has given us gifts. if you have no clue, no clue at all, you better be on the phone this week so we can sit down and talk about it. You better be talking to someone you trust deeply about the gifts God has given you. You better ask yourself and pray to God that you understand the gifts God has put in your path. Because the Scripture says, If you're a believer in Christ, you have a gift. And he goes on, he says, well, some of us are an ear. Some of us are a nose. Some of us are an eye. Some of us are a toe. Right? And he uses this great body analogy. This image that each one of us is a part of the body of Christ. And if we understand that, we also understand this, that whoever cleans the parking lot is is not less or more important. Whoever takes out the garbage is not less or more important. Whoever preaches the sermon is not less or more important. We're all, as believers in Christ, responsible for our gifts. Why? Because they help to direct the vision. Proverbs tells us if there is no vision people perish. They wander around blindlessly, right? Aimlessly just walking around. When there is no vision, people perish. That's why leadership is so important. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. It's so important that you lead these people. Why? Because Timothy didn't have all those gifts. Timothy had weaknesses. I have weaknesses. There are some things I am awful at. Awful. But you know what? God has given us people to go in those plots. I am not a patient person. That's just one of my awfuls. God is teaching me patience. Old age will do that to you. But I am not a patient person by personality. I don't want to wait. I don't want to see how it goes. I don't want to wait until somebody else makes a decision. I want to be done with it and do it. But you know what? God has put patient people in our leadership. And I have learned, not the brightest tool in the shed, but I have learned that God has people in each board for a reason. That God has put people in leadership roles for a reason. And every time I think, why has he put that person there, right? They aren't, they want to wait a week. And then I realize, yeah, because I need that person to be there so that I wait a week. Because in my insecurity, I want to make a decision yesterday. Yesterday. there is a vision of this church and I know you've you've seen it every week and I've been not pounding it but I want to share it with you and I want to remind you that this is about the Good Samaritan. This is the passage. It doesn't say, I, I thought about it this morning, I should put it on the bottom. It's about being neighbors, making neighbors, and building God's neighborhood. It's so simple and it's easy to just kind of slough off. But the reality is it, encompasses everything in our life. Our neighbors are anyone we come in contact with, whether that's legitimately our neighbor across the street or down the road, our neighbor at Walmart, our neighbor at work, our neighbor at church, or, or softball, or our kids' sports, all of those are our neighbors. And we have a responsibility. And what's our responsibility? We need to be responsible to share with them Jesus. The healer Jesus. We've talked a lot about the hospital model. And I, I, I just, I think it's a great model. It reminds me that obviously when things aren't good and we're not healthy, emotionally, spiritually, physically, We need someone to help us get through. And that's our Jesus. That's our testimony. right? Our testimony is not that we got it all figured out. Not that we are somehow better, that we're on a pedestal. That's not it at all. But it's rather the opposite. I'm broken. I'm a mess. (laughs) In myself, I'm a mess. I I had to laugh. I have to laugh. We had had, um, family Christmas yesterday. And, I, and my wife, we, we were just kind of reminiscing afterwards, and it's like, um, perfect dysfunction. That's what, I could, that's what I was thinking, right? Because everybody has it in their family, right? And we, we laugh, and we, we just make fun. But when you bring all of your family together, you're like, hey, look at this, <laughs> right? We got kids running around and not listening. Well, that's normal, right? <laughs> uh, we have people say things that probably shouldn't be said. Yeah, that's normal. And it was exciting. It was fun. It was good to see my family. Uh, We missed it last year. But I couldn't help but think while I was with my family, man, there's there's some there that really don't know who Jesus the healer is. They haven't met him. They might know who he is by name, but they really haven't experienced him. I got a phone call on Friday from one of my cousins who was who came yesterday, and it was out of the blue. I wasn't. I, I answered the phone because I thought maybe something had happened. I didn't really know it, and I don't. I, I legitimately probably talk to him two or three times a year. That's about it. And he says, "I need you to break down a verse for me." It was, that was his first line. Legit, like, I need you to open your. I don't. am like, dude. I don't even have a Bible right here. I'm on my phone. That's the only Bible I have in my is in my ear. You know. So I'm on my computer, and he wants to break down some Revelation scriptures. And I couldn't help but think, God is working in some way, encouraging in some way, seeking, he's seeking for some reason. I, I don't know the details. I heard a voice in the background, didn't even know who it was. Someone else who was in this discussion. And I, at first, like, well, who am I talking to? You know, I'm thinking that. I didn't say it. And then I'm like, does it matter who I'm talking to? No. What does matter is I know that they need Jesus, the healer, in their life. And so last night, as we were talking, uh, it just really came to mind that that's someone that needs to be prayed for. That's someone who needs prayer uh, in their walk with Jesus prayer to begin their walk with Jesus. And and if I was the only one with family, I'd have you guys all pray for my family, right? But the reality is you all have family. You all have friends. You all have connections of people who don't know who Jesus the healer is. Who have never given their life to him. They see it on us. They might see it around them, but they haven't given their lives to Jesus themselves. And so that's my prayer this morning. My prayer for you is that God would even now put someone on your heart, someone who needs to meet Jesus, the healer. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the reminder yesterday, Lord, that uh, there are those in our midst who need your love and your care and your concern. Lord, I pray for those in my family. I pray for those, Lord, who we will come in contact with on a daily basis, even today. Lord, I pray for the members of and friends of the church's family, our neighbors, He would draw them close, draw them to you. Our time is short in this world. We believe that we'll last forever, that we'll live a long time, and yet we realize that the years go by quickly. And soon we get to the end. And so, Lord, may we be intent on talking to those people today. May we begin to pray for them today. May, Lord, we put a list together of those we will Share the gospel with. Lord, help us direct our paths that we would be good neighbors. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.